0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for stopping by, Robert, with co-host RG Seal. We're talking some Astros in this show. If you missed it, we talked Rockets, NBA, uh, lots of different stuff in yesterday's show. But wanted to focus on the Astros because uh, it's that time of year again RG pitchers and catchers reporting you get getting a little goosebumps. So well,
1: you were saying it's that time of year again I thought for you it was either like was it Groundhog's Day when Punxsutawney Phil comes out or is it the Grammys or is it the upcoming Oscars I mean I, I don't know when you say this time of year again
0: yeah I don't know if I'm too excited about the Oscars that I, I think you and I can host that can we can we host that this year
1: it might be yeah I don't know it, it's going hostless kind of so it's going on autopilot everybody gets a shot this year I guess to host the I don't know what they're going to do with that open auditions
0: it's like American Idol or something yeah they 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 were hoping to get Kevin Hart just like the Astros watch this transition just like the Astros were hoping to get JT Real Muto RG It, it didn't happen the Phillies deal for Real Muto so the Astros they're going to have to either go with Chirinos and Stassi or start looking again but just let's get to the trade what did you think of the assets that the Phillies gave up for Real Muto was that something that the Astros could have done
1: well, I mean, the Astros could have done something to get, you know, JT Realmuto. Yes. I mean, but they would have had to give up most likely Kyle Tucker, Forrest Whitley or, you know, just a bevy of their their top prospects. What Philadelphia gave up, they gave up their number one pitching prospect. And, in, you know, this is all subjective, but they gave up Sixto Sanchez, who's their 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 number one prospect. This guy has a huge upside, potential number one ace type pitcher. That was what was enticing the Marlins, and beauty's not by the beholder. So maybe they considered, oh, getting an ace pitcher like this in return. Plus, they also get a young catcher who is already playing for Philadelphia, Jorge Alfaro. So you're getting a catching prospect. And then they had a left-hander in the deal, too, Will Stewart. But you have that kind of package there. But the real asset that they wanted was that everybody's talking about, was the Sixto Sanchez. You know, the I don't know, like, you know, what they got from the Padres, what they got from the Dodgers. The Dodgers were rumored to be have all the pieces because they have two top catchers in their system. And they have, you know, the Dodgers have so many prospects and, you know, top pitching prospects. I mean, they could have offered something. They didn't do that. The Reds, once they got Sonny Gray, uh, started adding to their roster and depleting a little bit of their farm system to do that. They seemed like they weren't going to be a realistic option probably for uh, J.T. Rumuto at that point. Um, so, I mean, it's just like it depends. Like Philadelphia came with the package that they wanted. And so you, in the end, because they offered the ace number one prospect in their system, they ended up getting uh, J.T. Rumuto And, and- J-
0: Jeff Luno was not going to give up Kyle Tucker.
1: Right. He was not going to give up a, a bevy of the pro-
0: type of prospects maybe that the Marlins wanted because Real muto, there's two years left on his contract. And Luno probably looks at the situation and goes, I've got some free agents coming up myself, and I, I need to keep – at some point he's got to say, I've got to keep some of these young guys. Maybe we can't have an all-star and MVP candidate at every single position on the field. But when you look at the Astros, uh, they've got a lot of stuff. You've you, you, got uh, Justin Verlander, who I know we're going to talk about soon. we got Garrett Cole coming up uh, next year. Both of those guys. Uh, Springer's coming up pretty soon. So I mean, they've got some major decisions, a lot of money that they might have to spend – and maybe they just thought, well, if we're going to give up all these prospects, it's Real Muto for two years, and maybe he's gone after that. And we got all these guys under club control. We just don't want to give up the Corbin Martins or the Bukowskis or who, some of these other guys that maybe the Marlins were asking for. That That would be my guess, right?
1: Right. Well, I mean, at least the top prospects when you mentioned, like, uh, it just doesn't seem that Luna wants to to deal a Kyle Tucker or a Forrest Whitley. They seem to be off the table, you know, unless somebody was to absolutely wow. I guess you can never say anybody in the game, but pretty much those guys are untouchable. And then you go down, to, like you said, a Corbin Martin with the way he can throw with his his stuff. And the fact that you. Brought up a very good point there that they're going to be the free agents leaving, including Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. They're they're unsigned after this season. Do the Astros sign them to extension or do they walk? So you're going to need to have you know your Josh James, your Framer Valdez, your your Forrest Whitley, your uh, Corbin Martin. You know I, I've seen J. B. Bukowski's. I've seen him in trade talks and discussions, and he's he's not quite at the top tier, even though he's maybe a top 100 prospect in all of baseball and one of the Astros top 10 prospects, you know, that might be somebody that's, you know, put into a deal. There are guys out there that the Astros could make trade proposals with, but it just wasn't enticing enough to uh, get a JT Ramuto. I mean, uh, the Marlins had other offers that they liked better. And, you know, the other thing too is a a lot of the uh, teams in the game still need catchers and value catchers, but you know, the Marlins, they lost out on, Uh, Or they felt like because Kristen Yelich left last season and became an MVP, that we still don't know the prospects that they got back from the Brewers, but a lot of people, it was perceived around baseball— that you know, I mean, when you trade away an NL MVP who's a young player, still many years on the contract, the the Marlins got taken in that deal. So this time around, they knew they had an asset that was prized by a lot of clubs that wanted a catcher with two years of control. So they were going to take their time and they were going to take the what was the best offer that they saw available for him out there. And so that's why that happened.
0: Speaking of uh, offers, not a lot of these free agents are getting offers these days. I mean, Keiko, Marwin Gonzalez, they're still out there. The big fish are still out there with Bryce Harper and Machado. I mean, just R.G., uh, Verlander,
1: you got the quote, don't you? He he was pissed about this, right? Right, right. Justin Verlander was on Twitter and he said, uh, I'll just read it right out here, 100 or so free agents left unsigned. System is broken. They blame rebuilding. And that's in quotes, but that's BS. You're telling me you couldn't sign Bryce or Manny for 10 years and go from there. seems like a good place to start a rebuild to me. 26 to 36 is a great performance window, too. And speaking from experience, uh, Justin Verlander has been pretty good in his mid-30s for the Astros, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, but there's been guys, you know, you see them drop off the table. And Bryce Harper and Machado, a couple of their big calling cards is speed. I mean, right now they're such multi-dimensional weapons, you know, guys that can do everything. Uh, at 34, 35, 36 years old, uh, it might not be the case, and I, I just think these owners—they've looked around. They guys have gotten burnt uh, over and over again with some of these longer contracts, and it just hasn't worked. And they don't see the value in that. You've got a bunch of—I mean, in the old days, we would call them eggheads, but we got bean counters, whatever you want to call them—that look at it and go, "Hey, that—that's just not going to be the, worth the money uh, to to invest in the franchise." And, and that sort of thing, I'd rather take money, and put it in another place and with, with guys that might not be, I mean, there's not, this isn't the NBA. One guy doesn't really change a franchise like a LeBron James or something. It just doesn't happen. So, I mean, I, I, I can get it from the owner's perspective and it's something that also they, they might have to work on in this new CBA and w- whatever they're going to do there, because look, the middle class, the biggest thing to me, isn't the the, the big names and the major money to, to me, it's the declining middle class because you know if unless you're a team that's contending for a championship you just don't want to pay that 15 million dollars a year for somebody like a Dallas Keiko or Marwin Gonzalez you just go you know we don't have a chance at a championship why why am I going to invest in in that type of guy Uh, maybe you maybe the only reason you would do it is just to flip them later like a house
1: well first of all I want to just take a little bit of an issue with what you said there. It's like I think I understand where Justin Verlander was coming from when he's talking about Machado, uh, Manny Machado and Bryce Hopper. These are guys who are 26 years old. Okay, so let's not even say a 10 year contract, an eight, nine year contract or, you know, even if it is 10 years till 34, 35, 36. That's not like what what Albert Pujols signed when he in 2011, he was 31 years old and signs a 10 year contract, you know, to play with the angels or when Alex Rodriguez was 33 years old and signs a 10 year contract or Barry bonds or mever, you know, you had these, you know, 10 year contracts with guys in, already in their thirties. These are guys that are going to be in their prime. That was his point. They're going to be in their prime over the duration of this contract. So even if you're talking about tailing off as of baseball players, 33, 34, you're getting eight, you know, at 26 year old, you're getting eight years out of this player, uh, you know, in his prime, because I mean, really, guys, uh, I mean, still, even if you're talking about there's still very a lot of product productive players, like you said, maybe their stats start to tail off, but you're getting their prime years, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, you know, five, first five, six years, of the contract, they're going to be their monster years. So you got to put that value into it, too. And I I mean, so I think for these type of players, the contract is out there. I just think that it's a weird offseason, too, because a lot of the teams that would normally be bidding like the New York Yankees, well, they had the John Carlos Stanton trade last year. They decided to go out and, you know, they have Aaron Judd. Uh, they don't really have a spot for Bryce, Bryce Harper unless it comes down to their price or their liking, right? The Los Angeles Dodgers, you would think, oh, they traded off all these off. Well, no, they want to get under the luxury tax too for a season, so it resets. I think part of it's like you said, the labor agreement that needs to kind of be redone, uh, and you know, it will. What might be is do players go to free agency sooner? Maybe after five years instead of six years, do they start the arbitration process sooner. So, you know, owners, you know, they get those first three years of really club friendly contracts before they even go to arbitration. So, I mean, there are things to be ironed out there. But I think, you know, overall, it's it's kind of been I think, you know, again, like when. Uh, Carlos Correa, he's going to be a 25, 26-year-old hitting the market. He's going to be looking for a 10-year contract, eight, nine-year contract, because, I mean, when he gets out there, he's going to be in the prime earning of his career. And so I think we'll eventually see, you know, once these guys sign, that their numbers kind of be there. What you brought up with Dallas Keuchel, I think, is a little bit more about what's happening these days. Here's a guy that was offered— you know, a contract by the Astros after a Cy Young season, he turned it down, has been out in the free agent market, and the offers just haven't been there for what he thought they would be. And same thing for Marwin Gonzalez. And uh, Marwin Gonzalez has been looking for the Ben Zobrist type contract, which was, I think, what, four years, of $60 million uh, in that range, or four years, $56 million, something around that. And, you know, Marwin Gonzalez just, you know, they hasn't gotten that from anybody yet that, that we know of, um, you know, and so I, I I, think it is kind of a little bit weird as far as that goes. And like you said, a lot of organizations are looking at things very analytically. They assign a value to uh, a player, but not having the, the all these big market teams other than Philadelphia and Chicago. Those are the two teams we know that are out there. And Philadelphia says they have stupid money to spend. You know, so they're basically maybe bidding against themselves or or maybe the White Sox are coming close. But it's you don't have the Yankees. You don't have the Mets. You don't have even the Angels or, you know, all these other potential big market clubs out there spending. And then or the Cubs, you know, that in years past have. And then, you know, uh, even now the Giants have been rumored for Bryce Harper. That's a team that in the past had the big money, could go do that. So and then but, you know, you also have. As to to your point again, you know these these GMs and and well let, let me let me just give you an example because you you we go back going
0: back to uh, Bryce Harper and uh, Manny Machado, uh, if you say that twenty six to thirty six, I mean I I don't think Jeff Luno would say till thirty six. He might say till you're primed maybe till thirty two or something like that. But I, I'll give you a where a, a prime example where they got owners got burned. The Boston Red Sox are a perfect example. You go back to, I, I believe it was in 2011, Carl Crawford had been uh, rolling. And may, maybe this was the the wrong example, but, you know, he was a pretty good player. We're talking about uh, he'd been an all-star four times. He was coming off a season where he was seventh in, in the MVP, gold glove. Uh, you know, he was doing a lot of good stuff. And then the Red Sox gave him a ton of money over seven years from age 20, 29 to 36, and immediately he just went into the toilet and, and and they had to like dump the contract. they handed it over to the Dodgers or something yeah, but it's not it's not because he was already thirty when he got that contract, so it's not he was twenty he was twenty nine but the, you're talking about you're saying their prime is from twenty six to thirty six. And and these guys, they're gonna be twenty-six, twenty-seven, in two or three years, they're gonna be thirty.
1: You know, but you're paying, but if over the next if you're a team that's contending and you and you pay over yeah, look, I mean, it's a big investment to make. You have to make a lot of decisions about it. And look, Carl Crawford as as great, he wasn't a he wasn't somebody that you automatically look like this guy's on the way to the Hall of Fame. If you look at Manny Machado and you look at Bryce Harper, these are guys that potentially marquee superstar players on their way to the Hall of Fame. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, my, point, my point, though, wasn't that. My point was that Carl Crawford was still a really good player. Like I said, he was a regular all-star at that point. My point being that uh, just, you know, he was somebody that they – that's a guy that was a prime example of where they've gotten burned. The Albert Pujols – the Pujols thing was just stupid. I mean, that's a whole other story. I mean, we knew it at the time. But, you know, there, there have been cases on these major contracts, especially these longer ones, that they really have gotten killed on it. I mean, Detroit, Detroit's dealing with that right now with uh, – um, Oh, um,
1: with Miguel Cabrera. Right, Cabrera. Yeah, but, I mean, he's another one. You keep bringing up examples of guys who signed their long-term deals in their 30s, you know, so – Again, if you're looking at Bryce Harper right now, if you're looking at Manny Machado right now, you're talking about 26, 27, 28, 29. 30, and that was Justin Berliner's point that, you know, yes, over the, the 33, 34, 35 is when – Things might get a little bit dicey or they might have the injuries or their career might be on the backside, just like what we're seeing. But for most of the time, between the age of 26 or 33, you're getting six, seven years of their absolute prime. So signing an eight, nine, you might have to sign not saying you have to have a 10 year deal. Again, I mean, but you might have to sign an eight or nine year to get that player to come to you because they're they're basically trading away saying we're not going to be, or they could sign a, a short term contract where they ask for thirty five to forty million a year, maybe for three years and become a free agent again. But from what you're saying now, with what the GMs are. Maybe they do want to lock it up now and get that long term contract, because if they if they say, okay over the next three years, we make 100, 120 million. We sign a three year deal, you know, for almost for 40 million a year or three years, 100 million a year, whatever it might be. And the average annual value is 30, 35, 40 million, whatever, just because we take a short term contract. Well, then they're coming out on the market as an almost 30 year old. And they aren't going to get the same kind of offers because, as we've seen with age and performance, uh, the, you know, the, that that uh, is going to affect contracts for players to uh, advance to that age in their career. And that's actually something that's coming on with Jacob de Grom right now. That brings up a, a point like with uh, Brady von Wagner in the new Mets GM who was his previous agent. I mean, Jacob de Grom, Well, a lot of people don't know. I mean, the guy's already 30 years old. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to be a pitcher in his 30s, like Dallas Keuchel, basically. You know, can he go out, get five, six-year deal as the best pitcher in baseball? Will he be another Justin Verlander? You know, that's unknown. So, I mean, there is kind of this tipping point with the 30s. But
0: And let me just bring something else up. The, look, Bryce Harper, uh, we could say, you know, he's a, he's been a great player. But consistency, uh, playing games. I mean, this is somebody that, you know, uh, 2017, he played in 111 games. Uh, he, he played in 100 games when he was 21 back in 2014. He's missed some games here, and there. but the bigger thing is when I when you start going through his statistics, RG. Yeah, 2017 he was fantastic. He had a thousand OPS. 2015 he was fantastic. I mean, led the league in a ton of categories, including OPS with 1109. But in 2016 he it was eight four. His OPS was eight fourteen, and he didn't have that good of a year. Last year you're coming into your free agent year, you would think. He'd be at the top of his game. He had a great team around him. Uh, they were a team that a lot of people thought had a chance to go to the world series and he had a bad year. It was eight eighty nine, and he was really bad until about, you know, halfway or f- further into the year, you know, he struggled a lot. And so, you know, you're, you're talking about investing a lot of money in somebody like this and then
1: Uh, His personality is kind of a weird one. So is Manny Machado. No, no, but no, there's a difference between Bryce. Bryce Harper is probably the the most recognizable player in baseball right now. Uh, Maybe Aaron Judge might be the other one. Yeah, I think Aaron Judge would be number one. Well, but I'm saying Bryce Harper is huge. He's a guy that's known outside of baseball. I mean, you saw him on stuff, you know, like uh, he's a guy that is one of baseball's biggest marquee names, even more than a Mike Trout, who's been the better player. I mean, if you're walking down the street, you recognize a Bryce Harper, you know, that's He's one of baseball's big names.
0: That that's all well and good. I don't I don't want to spend a lot of money on big names if the guy's not producing on the
1: field. It's not. There's no. But point. he has produced on the field. There's a 2015 NL MVP. He also has. He's only 26 years old. So you are kind of buying into the future. He has all his home runs up to his point in his career. Just to, like you said, 2017 over a thousand ops. There are going to be teams out there that want this guy because of his sheer talent. There's a guy that you know has been waiting for this day, for, waiting for his free. Agency, you know, to come about since he signed first with uh, the Washington Nationals and got up to the big leagues at such a young age. So this has been an opportunity for him. And there's going to be some team that that pays him, you know, and it's going to be kind of like what we I think, you know, what we kind of expected. I don't know if it'll be the length or the duration. Maybe again takes a shorter contract with, you know, more money per year to, to to make up, again, if he goes out in the free agent market as an almost 30-year-old uh, in a few years, let's say that. Or maybe he just takes, again, what Justin Verlander said, maybe you buy because you're getting this guy's prime years between you know 25 and 35. You do offer the long-term contract. I think that it's a little bit different for these two guys, but I would agree with you. I mean, you don't want to sign somebody to a 10-year contract if they're the 30-year-old you know that that's just not happening these days. Thirty, thirty-one year old, and and they've you know piled. They've got a lot of mileage on their MLB career, and it looks like that they could be declining. Yeah, the the Miguel Cabrera type contract that wouldn't be signed today. You're right. Uh, uh, the Albert Pujols contract not going to be signed today. I mean, these players wouldn't get those offers now. That's something that we've seen. that's a shift in baseball. But I think what I think the point with Justin Verlander was is that, you know the 10 year contracts, a nine year contract, these kind of contracts can work if the player is entering free agency as a 25 26 year old. And believe me, the Astros are going to have to face this with both, uh, you know, a, a Carlos Correa because there's a guy who came up to the big leagues at a very young age. He's gonna be hitting the the, the, the free agent market at what 26 27 years old,
0: right? Yeah, uh, Bragman people think of him as young, but of course, he went to college, so you know, he was more like you know 22 I think 23 or something I mean he's he he's going to be hitting free agency closer to 30 and and Springer because they held him out it's going to be you
1: know post 30 so yeah Yeah so I think the big one for the Astros that'll be similar to this will be Carlos Correa and look Carlos Correa has had injury Problems in his career. Uh, And, you know, but he's a phenomenal talent. So if he hits the free agent market and, you know, who knows, hopefully the Astros win another World Series or two and Carlos Correa is there and, and, you know, he's just kind of like coming into the prime of his career. I mean, that's going to be a tough decision to make, you know, because he's going to want that long, you know, nine or 10 year contract. Last thing I
0: want to talk about and just kind of you know loosen things up a little bit, RG, is we, we were planning to get Brian McTaggart on the podcast this week, but uh, unfortunately uh, he, he dealt with some uh, serious family issues over the last few days. But I heard he's, things are going better. He's, he's out at uh, Astros uh, Media Day and, and that kind of thing. But uh, and we're going to have him on the pod in the not-too-distant future. But speaking of McTaggart, RG, he recently wrote a story called The Ten Players You Forgot Were Astros – Doc Gooden would he be one of them? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you before I go down the list. Do you, any guesses here? Doc Gooden was one of
1: them, exactly. Yeah, I mean that was the one that I always remember. It's like, hey, do you have a doc? I mean, the same one with that, you know, Sid Fernandez. That was another guy that you know had that that brief kind of like. Oh, uh,
0: that's a good one. I don't I don't even remember Sid Fernandez. Is that right? Yeah, no, he was on the Astros for a little bit too. So it's like a couple of those guys from the '86 Mets. Yeah, Dwight Gooden, uh, Vinny
1: Castilla was on his list. He had a pretty significant impact though with the Astros when he did give Vinny Castilla. I mean he had been with Colorado all those years, but he when he came over to the Astros. He was on that uh, you know, with those teams with Berkman, Bagwell, Biggio. So I mean he he had a impact when he was over here after he got to him. So he wasn't here for like a Doc Good made a start or two and then he was, you know, done.
0: Another name that he had on there was Miguel Tejada. But how, how could we forget about Miguel Tejada, Archie? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean,
1: these are guys It's like – to me, it's more like a guys you forget about who are Astros. This guy, oh, that's right. He was there for a month and then was released. or Like a Jesse Barfield. Remember, he comes to Astros camp and then doesn't even – and you know, make make the team or anything. But it was like that was the type of guy that you were like, oh, for years, the Astros tried to get Jesse Barfield. And he finally is there. And
0: and and, and he put Kurt Schilling on the list. But, I mean, you, you and I remember that was a huge trade because Glenn Davis. That's a
1: good one, though, because he was a bullpen guy. He was on. he was just there with the Astros for one season. He was kind of in the you know, he came over with the in the, in the trade for Glenn Davis with and Pete Harnish. Ended up being kind of the guy that oh okay that's the guy because yeah
0: he- f- fantastic it turned out to be a fantastic trade because he also got Steve Finley in that deal and you you put Finley Schilling and Harnish and then Davis you know dropped off the the map after that he had injury issues and he was never the same but you know Schilling was a guy when they when they dealt him I remember thinking no that guy looks pretty good I thought we should keep him around a little bit
1: uh, they, also on on his list was uh, do you remember the Rick Ankiel era. Oh, yeah, no, because I was on the terrible 2013 team, and he was signed for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah.
0: you were the only one paying attention that year. He lasted 20, <laughs> 25 games, and I remember him covering him as a pitching phenom in the minors with Memphis. I used to talk talk to the guy when he was with Memphis.
1: Hey, there's a there's a guy right now, too, that we're just forgetting about that just won the World Series MVP, but he also had a cup of coffee with the Astros, and that was Steve Pierce. Oh, that's, that's right,
0: uh, and everybody remembers J.D. Martinez trying to forget it, and that was more than a – than a cup of coffee. I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, J- I mean, J.D. Martinez is a guy you wouldn't forget being an Astro because he was there for several seasons. So, I mean, to me, like Miguel Tejada and, and, I mean, those are guys that. Oh yeah, to me, it's got to be something like oh Mike Mike Piazza was a, a was a F- Miami Marlin or a Florida Marlin for two days before he was shipped to the Mets.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he has on here Don Sutton and Buddy Bell. I mean, I remember both of those guys really well. Uh, he has on here Ron Washington. That that's somebody that. I, I, you know, he, former Raymond Rangers manager, you know, also accused of sexually assaulting a reporter, which is give good. you.
1: I'll give you one that people forget about was an Astro, Aaron Boone, New York Yankees manager. McTaggart's got him on the list. That's one of his one of the guys. It's got to be somebody that was there a season or less that you kind of just forget about. Not somebody like Miguel Tejada that was there for multiple seasons or, you know, to me, that's that would be my kind of. Requirement for selecting somebody. Even better if they were there like a month or, a few, or just a few days. <laughs> I, I think we
0: should create our own list, RG. I was thinking about this of the pl- 10 players. Uh, you know, instead of the 10 players who you forgot were Astros, I'm thinking of the 10 we would like to forget as Astros. Uh, anybody on that list for you would like to forget that they were Astros? I think we
1: mentioned one on one of the previous shows there, that, uh, you know, like Jason Jennings and, uh, you know, unfortunately, a great, great guy from from Baylor and everything, but was just as terrible as an Astro. Woody Williams. Woody Williams, another uh, signing that was bad for the Astros. And- Ka- Kaz Matsui. Kaz Matsui. Wow. You're just naming all the disasters here. It's like, that's not what Astro fans want to hear. I think we'll just leave it on more of a positive note. You, like- don't, you
0: don't want to talk about Brett Myers or Dan Maselli yeah. or John Singleton or Brett Wallace. Oh
1: gosh. Oh man. Robbie
0: Wine, Buddy Biancalana, Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Juden. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling, pulling old school. Modern Astro fans would, would, would point out maybe Ken
1: Giles. I mean, well, Ken Giles, at least he was effective for part of it before he kind of like lost it in the postseason. And of course, he had the where he hits himself and was traded uh, last season. But I guess i guess ending more on a positive note, or at least like, I, as we said, pitchers and catchers report this week. And so with the Astros roster coming, coming in focus, you mentioned Brian McTaggart. Another thing that he was also talking about was potentially how the roster could shape up. We, we know that at least for the starting pitching that it's going we have. The locks in the rotation pretty much are, you know, you have your top two aces with Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. Then you have uh, Colin McHugh's move back to the rotation. Then you have Wade Wade Miley Miley. with the Astros sign. So then you have, you know, who's going to be the fifth starter? But to me also, so fifth starter, who would you think that would be? And then... As far as well, McTaggart said, Josh,
0: I saw on Twitter where he said, Josh James. And I, I just don't think he he's ready to go five or six innings yet. I mean, I watched him last year and, you know, he, he would get to the third inning and that's where everything would go wrong. And everybody wants him to be in the bullpen. They want him to be like the setup guy, the gas guy. In the who, bullpen. who
1: would you want then Framber Valdez?
0: Yeah, Framber would, would be my Peacock. pick.
1: But I mean, whoever it is is, they're just a
0: placeholder for Forrest
1: Whitley, aren't they? You know, you got to look and see the rest of the staff and how they pitch. I mean, it's not going to be just Verlander or Garrett Cole. I mean, if one of the other guys struggled because Miley also in his contract, he gets incentives based whether he comes as a as a starter or as a reliever. So, I mean, there's a lot of kind of wiggle room there. We don't know. I mean, Luno might still be looking to bring in a pitcher before, you know, even though camp started I mean, with all these unsigned free agents out here, the Astros can still add that way. But another thing I wanted to ask you was like I was looking at what McTaggart said. And you probably saw this, too, about like. His 25-man roster, it had, as far as for the three outfielders, because Michael Brantley signed, be Michael Brantley, George Springer, and Josh Reddick, and then Jake Mariznick as the fourth outfielder, and then he has Tyler White as the DH, and then he has uh, Alameda Diaz as as the the Margo replacement, the utility. And basically, he doesn't have Tony Kemp on the roster. Well, Tony Kemp's out of options. So if he's not on the roster, he'll be with another team because he'll have to be released. Somebody will claim him or the Astros will have to trade him if they de- deem that he's not going to make the roster and they want to get nothing for him. I believe Jake Marisnyk still has options left, actually. He does. He still has options left. So that's why I found that a little bit. But, I mean, you have to look at it, too, from, like, what do the Astros want, what do they want on the roster, And that was another reason why I was a little bit because, okay, Michael Bradley's the left-handed bat, you know, but you still have coming off the bench, uh, Diaz bats right, uh, Jake Marismas bats right, Tyler White bats right. To me, I'd still want to have that left-handed hitting option. Plus, he was a a 300 hitter for the Astros basically last season, Tony Kemp. He has speed. He's a guy that can come in, you know, play at least some different positions. To me, I, I, you know, I, I'd I'd like to see him on the roster in some fashion or form, but I understand too where the Astros are kind of looking at it as well. Well, well Jake Marisnick offers you defense. I mean, he's gold caliber defense, and then Tyler White offers you what that DH position with like an Evan Gattis offers you with the power stroke. You know, so I mean, there's there's just different things here, but I'm I'm wondering how that 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 final roster spot will. And mean, we were talking last week about the 26 man roster and maybe Major League Baseball going to that with the new rule changes and everything uh I mean that's something the Astros could use right now <laughs>
0: exactly uh, and Tony Kemp you don't have to tell me about him I mean I'm you know I'm the head of his I've been the head of his fan club for years now I mean I, I'm a big fan of Tony Kemp and uh, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd love him on there I mean he's such a good clubhouse guy too I mean it, it's figure out a way to get Tony Kemp on there I don't know how that's going to work but yeah there, there's there's some interesting things I mean we usually well especially last year I felt like we had a much better idea maybe of, of what the Astros were going to do at a couple of spots. And this year, I think there's some stuff that's a, a little bit more up in the air with Marwin gone and Keiko gone. And
1: Hey, you're going to pay a little bit more attention to spring baseball than you ordinarily would, <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, you know,
0: it, it, it's more fun. I think when, you know, your team spring training is more fun when your team sucks, but then in the regular season start when your team sucks, it's not, it's not fun. Cause, when your team sucks, you're like, well, who, who who might be the future? You know, who's the hope? Where's the hope?
1: Well, at? I think even though, even when your team's good, I mean, don't you want to see, okay, what can, I mean, last last uh, spring training, it was all about Kyle Tucker and everybody thought, well, oh, gosh, that guy's going to come in. And then he did, had kind of a disappointing regular season. He was great at Triple A. Yeah, there, there you go. That's the reason why you don't. I want to see Forrest Whitley. I want to see see Corbin Martin. I want to see, you know, okay, does Josh James build off of last season? What can Framer Valdez do? I mean, all these type of things in spring training, I think it's exciting. You get your first you know look at some of these you know younger position players too, so i mean there's there's a lot still I think as a fan t- to like and and you never know too, because with all these unsigned free agents as we talked about and potential trades, I mean Luno we know is not afraid to make moves, so it'll be interesting to see what happens and you because know, opening days end of March. Not much Texans news this week, RG, but the one thing, I mean, I saw everybody
0: put it out there like, oh, it's something, but they, they released Demarius Thomas. We knew that was going to happen. I mean, $14 million uh, was what he was owed next year. If nothing else, we knew they were going to have to uh, release him and maybe try to re-sign him. But now, I mean, you're talking about somebody that's, uh, God, he's in his, you know, around 30 years old as a wide receiver and you know, with the type of injury that he had—an Achilles—you just don't recover from that when you're, you know, young. Much less. I mean, we saw what happened with Deontay Foreman, and he couldn't make it back this year after getting hurt in the middle of last year with that injury. So, yeah, I, I feel like the Demarius Thomas—that was going to happen—and you can't, you can't hold on to injured receivers if you're the, the Texans either. I mean, I I just don't see him re him because you got to—they're worried about Will Fuller and Kiki QT. I mean, they're—they are the king of. Uh, you know, injuries at wide receiver. So you just can't, you can't do that.
1: Yeah. You could see that coming. Like you said, with his, his contract, the fact that he's in his, uh, you know, 30s now. And so, I mean, he's he's a great veteran presence to get when he was but once he got injured again. I know he's had this Achilles injury before. and It's come back from it. But he's older now. And, yeah, just the price tag there. But uh, you bring up a very good point as far as, you know, Kiki Kute and then also Will Fuller and their injury history. I mean, the Texans have to bring in some more re- receiver depth. Uh, you know, whether through free agency, whether through the draft, I mean, already know that they've got to build on their offensive line. They've got to add to their secondary. But, you know, another place is uh, definitely uh, wide receiver.
0: Or at least bring in some new hamstrings. I think we need new hamstrings for sure. <laughs> uh, last thing uh, before we go, just a reminder. Hey, just a fun conversation with MLB Network host Robert Flores talking about the Astros. The main reason I wanted to get him on was it was just really fun talking to him about uh, the Astros winning the World Series and being at MLB Network and, and, and being, you know, the 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 kind of our voice, the voice of the Astros. His tribute to the Astros uh, World Series in 2017 was fantastic. You'll you'll hear that I I I put that up there at the end of the podcast if you haven't heard it. But you you can also go on YouTube with the visuals and everything like that. It's really cool to see. But uh, good to talk to. Robert Floor has super, super nice guy. And, you know, Houstonian with Adobe, like you said, he went to Adobe High School. Go check out that conversation. He's got a new podcast, also Almost Champions, which, uh, you know, like we talked about the podcast uh, with with him, Almost Champions. He must have got that idea from following Houston sports back in the 80s. It was a lot of that (laughs) in the early 90s before the Rockets won. But uh, thanks for joining us for this one. Uh, We'll catch up with you again in the next few days. Uh, unless something major happens but we're right here for you on houston sports talk don't forget to follow houston sports talk on facebook and twitter subscribe to us on itunes the google podcast app or the stitcher app give us a five-star review on itunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us spread the word everybody thanks for listening